Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Stephen Sargent, and this is the Church Stories Podcast, where we explore and share stories from different ministries and churches all over New England. It's been a few weeks since we have actually had a new episode, and the main reason for that is because of the global pandemic we're in, and my effort to try not to have another resource on ministry during COVID-19. I feel like there's plenty of stuff out there already, um, much better than what I could ever create. Uh, Maybe even an oversaturation of resources, of blogs and podcasts and all that stuff. And nothing wrong with that, but an epiphany I've made over the past few weeks is people don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, Another epiphany I've made is people want to get back to talking about the things they were doing before the virus. So for the next two episodes, I'm going to do a two-parter on a topic that most ministries and church plants in New England that we need to talk about, but we don't necessarily love to talk about, and that is fundraising and uh, support raising, raising support. Um, For me, my story, I moved to New England three years ago, and just before my wife and I had really felt strongly that God was leading us up here, um, I was offered a new position at the church I was at. Um, It was a promotion. It was a higher amount of responsibility and a higher pay. Um, And we felt like God was telling us to turn that down and instead to move um, to New England, specifically to Bridgewater, Massachusetts, and to start a new church. And the first question that we really wrestled with is a question that a lot of you have wrestled with if you've ever done anything like that or if you've ever felt like God calling you to do something big, it's, will we be able to afford this? Um, we've never fundraised before this. Um, and even though I thought Austin was really expensive, um, I, we moved up here. Boston is crazy expensive. It's one of the most expensive places in the country to live. And just to put in perspective, um, the first house that my wife and I owned in Texas um, was $149,000. And this was not that long ago. This was eight years ago. Um, and that was a 2,300 square foot house for $149,000. Four bedrooms. It was three baths. It had a huge backyard. Um, and then we moved to Bridgewater, uh, where the median house price is just under 400000 And the average house size is 1,400 square feet. So you're paying twice as much for almost half the square feet. And uh, so it was a valid question to ask if we could really afford to live up here. Where would our money come from? We knew that the only way that we'd be able to do this is if we found other people that believed in the vision as well and were willing to support us. Other churches, other organizations like North American Mission Board. Um, so not only could we afford it, but but you know, can, can it sustain? Like we don't want to move up here and scrape by for three years and then all of our partners, you know, kind of drop out and then we move away again. Like we wanted this to be something that we really dedicated our lives to. So we knew we needed outside help. We, we know that, right? Um, and whether you are a part of a church plant or maybe you're uh, a part of a smaller church that is dependent on other churches to help, I think this just as much pertains. Um, we have, I'm thankful that our church plant um, has nine wonderful partner churches, three of which I served on staff with before coming up to New England. And you'll hear from one of those next week in the second part of this topic. Um, and then we also have had uh, about 70 individual families that have pledged to give a monthly donation 
to our ministry until we get off the ground. So um, through all of that, I've been able to raise upwards of about $700,000 over the past three years of outside funding to help. And I, I don't think I'm the best in the country at this. I don't even think I'm the best in the Send Boston network at this, but I do think it's a strength area of mine. So I just wanted to look at three things that I, I call it three overlooked tips for raising support. And the first one is this. Think family member, not donor. Not donor. And what's the difference? A donor is, is simply someone that gives money to something. Whereas a family member is someone you have an ongoing relationship with. This is a common mistake I see us make um, as pastors, as church planters, as, as church leaders, um, is when we think in terms of money, it's really easy. We don't intend to do this. I don't think anybody's doing it for negative reasons, but... Um, we don't invest enough into the ongoing relationships, um, or I call it uh, our support family rather than our donors. Um, and I'll explain that in just a minute, but um, we have to think beyond email updates. Like how close would you feel with someone if your only connection was through an email newsletter? Like I'm on Staples email newsletter list and they send me about office supply sales. That's the only communication I have with them. Do you wanna know how close I feel to them? Not at all, right? It's a business transaction. And that's what the relationships with our donors can feel like and can be if we don't also have personal touches. And so I think it's really important that we carve out time to talk to and to see the other individuals, the outside uh, support family that are helping to um, to be generous towards our ministries. And so... Uh, I actually schedule um, trips throughout the year, not many, but I try once or twice a year um, to just to, to travel to the same area um, as my support family, which for most of mine, I've, I've only lived in Middle Tennessee and in Texas, so I can kind of hit most people in, in just those two trips. And I'll just schedule two days um, where I'm not going for an event, I'm, I'm more going and I'm just kind of lining up times to uh, get together and... Um, just, I'm not asking for money in person either. I'm just building those relationships. Um, I'm reminding them that their family's doing ministry in New England with us, even if they live in another part of the country. I'm calling them from time to time just to check in and see how I can pray for them. I even have budgeted in my annual budget, um, a fundraising tab, um, that allows me, um, to be able to take these trips. Um, and when I go, I'll, I'll take them to, out to eat or to coffee and, and just thank them in person because that's so much more meaningful than an email newsletter, right? Um, the second one is this, give projects for your support family to support. I love to look at my calendar year and highlight a few mission initiatives or events or facility upgrades that we are looking to make. And then instead of using the budget for it, I create just a mini campaign where I reach out to our support family to ask if they would be interested in sponsoring it. So uh, let me give you a few examples. At the end of last year, 2019, um, we had a few facility upgrades that we wanted to make. And so I took a few pictures of the area. I shared what we wanted to do. I sent it out to our support family. And um, in just a few days, um, we actually had a few uh, individuals that reached out to us. They said, hey, there's some year in giving we've been looking to do. This sounds like an awesome project. We'd love to help with it. Um, and it didn't have to hit my budget. Um, college care packages is an easy one twice a year, um, usually in the fall and the spring. Um, we give college care packages to all of the RAs on campus. 
um, at Bridgewater State because RAs are, are generally some of the most influential students on campus. And so we want to influence the most influential students on campus. And so um, each care package um, might have like a small little gift card and some gum and Febreze and candy and snacks and food. I mean, college students love food, so it's pretty easy. Um, and uh, it's an easy way for support family um, to just do a little above and beyond gift. And so um, last, we did one in, uh, well, the Halloween one we did, we got little the little plastic pumpkin things and we just filled it with candy and a bunch of little snacks and stuff. And uh, it, each one cost about 20 bucks for all of the stuff that we had in there. And so I just shot an email to our support family and I said, hey, if you want to sponsor a Bridgewater State College student, um, then just uh, make a $20 donation. And in about a week, um, we had enough donations to cover all of the, there were 79 RAs to cover all of it. Cause some people would make like a $200 donation or 300. Some, you know, we had other college students that are like, Hey, that's cool. Yeah, I'll do that. 20 bucks. Sure. Um, we, one more example of uh, when we needed to get, uh, a, I always, I call it the hot tub, but it's actually our baptismal. Um, when we needed to get our baptismal, we have a, a portable one, portablebaptistry.com. Everything was like a thousand bucks, um, for all the supplies, um, Instead of that hitting our facilities budget, um, which that would have been kind of hard because we were, we were already tight with all the renovations from that year, um, I just uh, I, I reached out to um, just a handful of individuals that were a part of our support family and I asked them, hey, there's this project where we're trying to get a baptismal. We were hoping next month to finally be able to bat. We've got about 10 people that are ready to be baptized. We don't have anywhere to dunk them. And uh, one of those families within two hours replied and actually sent us the entire amount and said, we are so honored that our family can help with this project. So now, um, whenever we baptize people, I love, they're, they're families, friends of mine, and so I love to just send them a picture and say, hey, here's the baptismal you bought. Ten more people um, got baptized. It's so cool. Um, because remember, your support family has one big thing in common. They are generous people, and they're looking for tangible opportunities to be generous. So give that to them. Not only does it allow them ways for above and beyond giving, it also frees up some of your budget to reallocate on other things. Um, I'll give one more example. Last year, we really wanted to do like a vision retreat for some of our key leaders and their families. And we knew that the, the two biggest obstacles for that were going to be cost because it was something that um, wasn't really going to fit within our annual budget. Um, and I didn't want to make our families pay. Um, and then also child care for their kids, because a lot of the leaders in our church, we've, they've got young kids just like myself. And so I actually reached out to one of our partner churches and I said, hey, we, this is something we really want to do. We think it's significant. This is something you'd be willing to help with. Um, they, they had a committee meeting, um, which is what, you know, uh, a lot of Baptist churches do so well is committee meetings. And uh, they were like, hey, we actually, well, we're going to pay for the whole retreat. And if you're interested, we're going to send a mission team up to help you. <laughs> and I was like, that's, oh, holy cow. And so they sent up a team of four to come and um, they basically put on like an awesome kids camp for our leadership uh, team's kids while we met and we got to have some very intentional meetings about future and vision and some of the strategies we were looking at. And then they prepared the meals, they did all of the cleaning and we just got to hang out and they loved it too because they'd never been to New Hampshire. We all went up to the mountains of New Hampshire together. I mean, it was awesome. It was the kind of thing that like we didn't have the budget to do. Um, so like it wouldn't have happened if, if we didn't reach out to them. But then they loved as a church that was very generous. They loved 
being able to be a part of it. So the third and last one is this. As often as you can, give your support family an opportunity to see the rest of the tribe, to interact with and get in a room with other support family members. And this is why this one's so important, because we all want to be a part of something bigger. We all want to belong to a tribe. In fact, uh, Seth Godin wrote a fantastic book called Tribes, and that is the premise of the book, that everyone wants to be a part of a group, everyone wants to have a place to belong, everyone's looking for someone to lead them. Um, people want to be a part of a movement, and if they can look around and actually rub shoulders with other people that are passionate about the same movement, that's powerful. Um, I remember a few years ago, um, I went to a pregnancy center banquet that a small little pregnancy center in South Austin, Texas, um, put on in downtown Austin, and it had almost, well, even more than 500 people um, from all over the city that came in, into uh, a hotel meeting room downtown, and it was a beautiful banquet, you know, people dressed up, it's white tablecloths, we had a big dinner, and then there was a presentation with a guest speaker, and then the director, and then at the very end, the director said, we wanted to let you know that our goal for tonight is to be able to raise the money for the, the all of this next operating year in, in tonight's uh, donation with the people in this room. And to be honest, um, being in that room with hundreds of other people that believed in the same thing and that were passionate about the same cause, it motivated us to give. And I think um, if we don't provide those opportunities for the people that are supporting our ministry, um, they're really missing out. And so... Um, Consider that. I love to have every year, um, and even this is, I'm entering my fourth year of ministry in New England, um, I love to have annual vision parties. And, and these are in hubs where most of our support family lives, which is Tennessee and Texas. That, those are the two places I lived before moving to New England. And so I love to have just once or twice a year, just an opportunity for all of them to get into the same room um, for a regional vision party. And so um, uh, you'll have a pool party um, where people get to mix and mingle, share stories. Uh, last summer, I rented out for just an hour um, a local bakery. And I said uh, it would be a closed event. And I invited uh, support family. Probably had about 40 people show up. And they got coffee and bakery, anything they wanted. And then we covered the tab for it. And we did, I just went around. We hung out. We talked together. You know, a lot of them knew each other. So, we, you know, they're seeing each other and they're excited, but we're there together for that reason. Then just very casually, I stood up. I shared some stories. Um, I thanked them for be a, being a part of it. Um, and, and that's it. Then, then usually at the very end, I just share, hey, here's one big project that we're praying towards that you can, can be praying for. And if that's something you want to help with, um, just talk to me afterwards. But mainly, it's a time of appreciation. Again, all of this goes back to treating your donors like family, reminding them they are a part of the ministry with you. They're not just an email on your email list. It's not just somebody that sends in a check or that has a direct deposit that comes and helps you out. They're a part of this with you. The last thing I'll share is this. I've got a friend named Larry. That's not his real name, but I'm not going to share his real name, um, who I've now known for about eight years. And uh, Larry... Every single year since we've been up here, he and his wife, just kind of out of the blue, has sent us two checks for $5,000, just at different times in the year, and it's random. 
It's totally random. We don't know when it's coming. And so it's not like it's a planned or scheduled thing, but it has happened every year that we have been up here. And, um, and they just believe in the ministry and God has given this family the gift of giving and they're excited about being able to help with that. And I was able to be, uh, the youth pastor for their kids. So we have a really sweet relationship with each other. Um, and that's somebody that I make sure um, once or twice a year um, that I'm able to sit across from them in person, um, not because I want more of their money, but because I want them to never think that our relationship is simply transactional, that there will always be a friendship first. And so every time I travel um, to the city in which they live, um, I make sure that we go out to eat and we don't talk about money. I don't ask for anything. Um, we talk about family and we just um, talk about their kids, see how they're doing. Um, in fact, I've got a trip coming up um, where I'm going to go, and we've already talked about where we're going to eat. We're really excited about it. And uh, and the reason that I think that relationship is there and so many of the relationships um, we have that with generous people um, is because I treat them like family. I don't treat them like just another donor because ministry is relationships. So I, I'm really glad that you guys stopped by and listened. Hopefully there was something in this little episode that helped you consider how you can cultivate deeper relationships with your own support family. And as always, it means so much that you tuned in today. We will see you again next time.